for listening to audio from First Baptist Church Rockville. If you'd like to know more about our church and ministries, please visit our website at fbcrockville.com. thankful for our mothers today. I'm glad to have my mother here today. I thank God for her. Even though I disagreed with her sometimes, she was always right. Well, most of the time. (laughs) No, I am very thankful for my parents, my mother in particular today. Well, we have been in Philippians the last few weeks and, uh, A couple of weeks ago, uh, when I was up here, and then Robert was here last week, um, one of the things that is really going to guide our discussion today, or our our message today, is actually back in chapter 1. By the way, we'll be in chapter 2 today, beginning with verse 12. But we really need to start by remembering what we covered just two weeks ago. It's in verse 27 of verse 1. Paul says this, having been bound in prison, chained to a Roman guard, he says, just one thing, as Christians of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And he basically is now going to lay out from there on what it looks like to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Pardon me, now I'm ready to go. (laughs) So we're going to take time to pray, and then we're going to delve into what it it look like to live a a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And we'll be pulling in some of the points that Pastor Robert made last week from chapter 2. So let's pray together. May uh, God confirm his word to us today. Lord, we do thank you again that you're our Father, and we as your children... Uh, you discipline. And Lord, uh, many of us, if not all of us, want to be children of God, but we don't like the discipline at times. And so I pray, Father, that today you'd speak to our hearts about your involvement in our life, the, the circumstances that you allow, the responses you desire from it to bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we thank you for your, for your character unchanging character, creator and sustainer of the entire universe. And by you, you hold all things together. So we look to you. We want to worship you today and pray you'll speak to us, Lord, as your Holy Spirit reveals the truths of your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So where do you start uh, living a life worthy of the gospel? Robert covered that last week. It starts with attitude. And any time we're taking a, a step in a direction that we're unsure of or one that we may not be pleasant, 
it really does start with attitude. And, and Robert covered that last week. I want to just read some of the verses that he covered last week. Uh, in chapter 2 and verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then here comes the attitude part. Very key. Verse 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. This is the attitude of Christ. And so when we walk this Christian life, a life worthy of the gospel, it begins with attitude. And not just any attitude. I mean, uh, there's a lot of positive thinking out there. It's, it's not all bad, but positive thinking is not going to give you victory in the Christian life. It'll have the attitude of Christ gives you victory in the Christian life. Positive attitude is something that we muster up. You know, I'm going to knuckle down and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to do it. No, that'll fall short when the going gets tough. I still remember uh, being appointed as missionaries. I shared this before, but, you know, when we were in the process of becoming missionaries, we had a consultant, you know, meet with us. And, and she probably met with us, I don't know, probably half a dozen times before we got invited to the actual uh, mission headquarters for the final approval to be appointed as missionaries. Every time we met with her, she said, now, are you called to foreign missions? And every time we said, yes. And so they invite us down to Richmond, Virginia, where the headquarters is, and we had another meeting with her, and she said, now, uh, now are you, do you feel called to foreign missions? And, and at this point, I'll have to tell you, I was impatient. And I looked at her, and I said, do you want us to be missionaries? Well, of course we do. I said, well, you've asked me this question a half a dozen times, and every time we said yes, why do you keep asking us that question? And she said, well, by the time you go through the entire process until the time you're actually on the field, the mission board will spend between fifty dollars and $100,000 on you. And not only that, when hard times come, your calling is the only thing that's going to keep you on the field. So we're going to keep asking our potential missionaries that question, are you called? So attitude, not just any attitude, but the mind of Christ attitude is what we really need. So now having this attitude... What does it look like? So now we pick up in chapter 2 and verse 12. Let's read together. Therefore, because you have this attitude of Christ, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Now, I'll have to say to you, first reading of that as a new believer, it sounded contradictory to other parts of Scripture. 
What's he mean to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? We thought that salvation was by grace, you know, not by works. So why is it saying work out your own salvation? So let's, it's really important to read these verses in context to have an understanding. As Robert pointed out last week, uh, the, in our life group study, Matt Chandler is the video uh, teacher we're going to be having in, in this. And uh, he kind of makes a, a, a prefacing comment that Philippians is one of the few letters that Paul writes where, where there are no issues he's addressing. Like in 1 Corinthians, there's a whole host of issues that he's dealing with, and he doesn't specifically call them here, but I think there may have been some things going on. <clears throat> I think there were some activities that were not uh, done totally out of the right kind of ambition. When he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition and conceit, there must have been some. that might have had a humility problem or a humbling problem in the church. So now what he's saying here is, it sounds like, okay, when I'm here and when I'm present, y'all are doing pretty good. You're obeying and you're following the Lord's will. But when I go away, will you still obey? When the cat's away, the... Okay, when mom and dad aren't around, we will... Fess up, kids. <laughs> No, when, when, we're, when we're around accountable authority, we usually behave pretty well. But what do we do when we're not? Another uh, implication here is that they were depending too much on Paul. And that's why he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't depend on me. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the working out, you know, God works in... And we work out. It's really exercising. You know, I don't know how many of you uh, work out, if you're a member of a gym or some kind of club where you go in and you exercise. Well, you're, you're working out. You're, you're working out your muscles and your body so to strengthen them. And, he's, and this is what he's meaning here by working out. God worked in, and now you work out. It really has the flavor of, of obedience. See, we exercise our faith in respectful and, and serious ways. God speaks and we respond. That's how it works. We respond in obedience with His power for His purpose. So when we respond in obedience, it's like, okay, well, I can do this, God. Thanks for making me the reminder. I'll go, no. He says here that it's, for it is God, verse 13, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So we need to get that pretty clear in our minds that this is not working for your salvation, it's working out the salvation you already have. So we needed to make that clear by reading the verses in context. And praise the Lord, we don't have to come up with the strength to do His will. I think most of us who've walked with the Lord a long time would say that the weaker we are, the more we depend on Him. The more we depend on Him, the more glory He gets. The more we depend on Him, the more relieved we are that we don't have to come up with everything. He provides everything. Now, I don't know what the Lord is doing here, but 
just two weeks ago, I felt led to talk about complaining and how we shouldn't be doing that. I even read a quote from Paul Tripp. I'm going to read it again. But the last time I brought this up, I didn't finish it. And so I want to talk about this principle of what the Bible calls putting off and putting on. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about putting off complaining. Complaining doesn't bring glory to God. In fact, it, it accuses God of not managing our life well. Now, what are you doing, God, to allow these circumstances to happen when we complain? Complaining does not bring glory to Him. And it does not make us a very good example of Him as well. So he picks up at verse 14. He says, Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Putting off. Now, I'm going to read this quote from Paul Tripp again, but I'm going to go from there and not leave it there. It's one thing to quit doing something, but what do you put on in its place? And I'm going to give you an example that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. It displays the put-off, put-on concept. Paul Tripp says in his New Morning Mercies devotional, Complaining forgets God's grace. It ignores His presence. It fails to see the beauty of His promises. It allows the display of His splendor in creation to go unnoticed. It questions His goodness, faithfulness, and love. It wonders if He's there and if He cares. If you believe in God and His control over everything that exists, then you have to accept that all of your grumbling is ultimately grumbling against Him. Yes, it is so easy to complain. It is so easy to forget the daily blessings that fall down on each of us. Now, this is where I left a couple of weeks ago. So what can we do instead of complaining? You ready? This is what we have in Christ. This is what we have in Christ. And this is not, by the way, all-inclusive, but I hope you get the point. Number one, we have abundant life. Jesus said that in John 10, 10. We have the righteousness of God, Romans 3, 22. We are justified freely by His grace, Romans 3, 24. We have eternal life, Romans 5, 21 and John 3, 16. We are no longer condemned, Romans 8, 1 and John 3, 16. We cannot be separated from the love of God, Romans 8, 39. We have the grace of God, 1 Corinthians 5, 17. We are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We have been reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians 5.19. We have freedom, Galatians 2.4. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavens, Ephesians 1.3. We have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, Ephesians 1.7. We have received an inheritance, Ephesians 1.11. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1.13. That's a short list. I had to stop somewhere. But there's more. Would you like to hear some more? Okay. He is our everlasting rock, our redeemer, our fortress, our strong defender, our shield, our portion, our helper, our refuge in times of trouble, our provider, our strong tower, our comforter, our healer, our deliverer. 
And this God, Almighty God, says he will never leave us or forsake us. So what do you do instead of complain? You praise the Lord. To think that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is pretty awesome. There's a song we used to sing in the church I grew up in. Count your blessings, name them one by one. We need to do that. This isn't, again, positive thinking, positive energy. No, this is worship. When we thank God for all the blessings we have in him, that is worship. That is giving him the glory due his name, the glory due his character. Now, just a few pages to the left in Ephesians chapter 4, I want to read to you some very practical things about this putting off some things to put on other things. Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 25. Let's notice the put-offs and the put-ons. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. What's the put-off? What's the put-on? The truth. Because we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief steal no longer. Instead, he has to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. What's to put off? Stop stealing. What's to put on? Work hard, save, and give. You know, I've asked, uh, oh my, when in my previous ministry, I've spoken a lot of churches and and, you know, I asked this question. I've asked it here before. You complete the phrase. Hopefully you forgot and you won't answer it the right way. <laughs> I'm saving for a rainy day. I'm saving for retirement. I'm saving for, for a car. What else? Saving for what? Okay, now, you want to know what the answer could be and probably should be? I'm saving to give. In all the churches I spoke at, nobody ever said that one. Not once. I'm saving to give to someone. See, this is to put off stealing. Put on giving. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. You're supposed to put that off. Instead, this is what we put on. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Let me tell you something. It's encouraging to do that. It's discouraging to have malice. It's discouraging to not be tenderhearted. It's discouraging to be angry to others. 
So there you have it. You have this, this put off, put on. When he says, hey, stop grumbling and arguing. Be lights. Anybody can bellyache and whine, especially when circumstances aren't the way in which we like to have them. And so we have this world watching. What are they, what are they saying of you? What are they saying of me? Are they a person that's thankful? Are they a person that's grateful? Or do they rather just complain about everything every day? When we praise God and thank Him for who He is, when we praise God for all the spiritual blessing and the heavenly places that we have, then we shine as lights. You want to shine as a light in a dark world? Stop complaining and start praising. That brings glory to God and it should be attractive to God. It should be attractive to others to see that. When we stop grumbling and arguing, we are blameless and pure before men. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Not just because you're not complaining and not grumbling anymore. Not just because of that. But listen pretty closely to what he says. By, you want to shine like stars in the world, you do it by holding firm to the word of life. That's it. You know, there's a, there's a, I'm not going to say it's a movement, but there's a thought out there in, in the church planning world that says, uh, well, you know, we're starting a new church and in order to reach certain people, we have to do certain things a, a certain way. We, you know, we, uh, you know, if they swear, we should use a few, uh, we should use a few curse words. If they drink, maybe we should drink a beer with them. I don't think that fits here. It doesn't fit. We are attracted to people that are different from us. I mean, most of us would say if, if someone were to come into our church and they were obviously from a different country, but they learned the English language well, but you could tell they were from a different country by the way they speak English. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? People have different accents than we do. The way they speak our language, it's attractive. It's not detractive. It's, it's attractive. They're different. And I say that we are called to be different. We shine like stars in our world, not by doing what the world does. We shine like stars because we're holding firm the word of life. We don't have to be cool. We need to be right. We need to hold firm God's word. Not being ugly about it, not being obnoxious about it. I said this before, I'll go ahead and say it again. I wear jeans not to be cool. I don't need to be cool. I wear jeans for the person who says, I don't have a, a nice set of clothes to wear to church or a, whatever that means. This standard that people have, that oh, you got to wear a suit, which, let me look around here, nobody's wearing a suit today, so we're, <laughs> we're all good. But really, I mean, I don't have to be cool, and you don't have to be cool. 
You need to be right with God, right in His Word. That's what makes us different. That's how we shine as stars in a dark and perverted world. Not by being like them. And we can rejoice. When we hold firm to the word of life, it says then, the second half of verse 16, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Sacrificial life. And he's rejoicing about it. And, and you know, if you, sometimes Philippians is called the, the book of rejoicing or the joy book because he talks about rejoicing a lot. In almost every chapter, he talks about rejoicing. And again, where is he now? He's where? He's in prison. He's in jail. And he's rejoicing. And he said, you should rejoice as well. In the same way, rejoice with me. Well, what else does the living a life worthy of the gospel look like? And so we went to Ephesians and and looked at the put off and put on situations. Now he's going to introduce you to two people who lived it out. So these are real people. And he describes them. Let's read together. Verse 19. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care for your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. What does that look like? I'll read it again. There is no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. See, Timothy just is exemplifying, he's, he's, he's a good example of what was talked about in chapter 2. The pastor Robert covered last week. Do nothing out of selfish ambition but or conceit, but look out for the interest of others. And Paul is saying, you've got, you've got this guy right here who genuinely will care for your needs. And I'll keep saying it again. It matters how we live. You are not an island. You may think you do things in private. They'll eventually come out in the public. How we live every day, how we walk every day makes a difference. People are watching. Another example of being different as a Rockville police chaplain, I've been hanging out with some of the officers. And uh, so we're in this little room and 
And this one fellow started to tell a story, and he said, well, uh, I'll not use that language since, because of uh, who's present. Now, that's, that's the second time that's happened to me. The first time I let it go, I didn't say anything. But this time I said, you need to know something. I am not your chaplain, and I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to support what you're doing because I believe in what you're doing. And he responded, yeah, but there's a, there's a matter of respect. And I said, well, I'll take the respect. That's good. But you see what difference does? Difference changes the conversation. When people know who you are, when people know how you talk, when people know how you walk, it changes the way they act. They're recognizing that. It's not in vain. When we live for Jesus, it makes a difference. It matters. And he's... He's boasting on Timothy because Timothy is exemplifying this attitude that Christ Jesus had. But there's someone else, Epaphroditus. Let's look at verse 25. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very happy. I'm sorry. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him so that you may rejoice. There's that word again, rejoice, again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor. Why? Here we go. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. One of the most powerful things we do as believers is risking our life. Now, for you and me, usually it's not going to mean uh, physical danger. That's what I'm talking about, although I, this is what it is talking about here, risking his life. But we're risking the dirty look. We're risking the rejection. We're risking how we'll be thought of. We're risking how we'll be accepted. And Epaphroditus was an example that says, doesn't matter. I'm walking with Jesus regardless of what's going to happen to my body or to my spirit emotionally. So you have these, these two examples, real people, real situations. And you notice that in Timothy's life and in Epaphroditus' life, no complaining. He was sick unto death. No complaining. He came close to losing his life. No complaining. No grumbling. You see, it's a very heavy, well, not heavy, a respectful and very serious way we walk because of who we're representing. Have you ever been told 
before you leave the house or have you ever been told before you leave the house? Now, now remember who you're representing. Remember our family. You ever been told that? Well, that's, that's, that's a, a little bit of a weight to carry with you, but here, here's, here's the, the, the heaviest weight and the most fruitful weight is remember who you're representing. You're representing the one who died for you. You're representing the one who died for the sins of all the world. You're representing the one who gave his life, left his home in heaven, to come down and live with sinful man in a perverted and wicked, crooked generation. That is who we're representing. Now, while it's a heavy responsibility, it also brings the greatest joy. It also brings the greatest peace. Because when we are right and walking with Jesus as we should, there is no greater joy, there is no greater peace. Anxiety leaves, worry leaves, discouragement leaves, depression leaves, all those things when we're following him. When we have that mind of Christ. Let's just ask you a few questions. What is it, maybe, in hearing God's word today, that God is telling you to put off? You've been dealing with it for a long time, or maybe a short time. The Lord has been speaking to you about it, and you need to put it off. But on the same token, in the same way, what do you need to put on? What is God saying for you to put on? Is he calling you to some ministry? Is he calling you to some, something to do in the community that's going to bring glory to him? Is he calling you to serve in this church? And by the way, you know, we had our last team kid, our children's ministry meeting uh, two Wednesday nights ago, I think it was. We'll be starting up in the fall. And if you want to invest your life in the life of another, I want to encourage you, doesn't matter your age or your stage in life, I want to encourage you to pray about coming alongside our Team Kid Ministries and minister to these kids. As Matt was saying earlier in the announcements, a lot of faith started at VBS or faith started at a camp. Faith starts wherever. And you can invest in our children. I want you to pray about that. We're going to be talking about that a lot this whole summer. Because now's the time. Not that we haven't invested, but we need to invest more heavy, more heavily in our children and prepare them for the world. And not only that, but I just want to tell you one of the goals that we have. That when our kids leave here, any church would be absolutely blessed to have them. Wouldn't it be great if our kids leave us and they go out into the world and someone would say, where did you go to church? Where did you get this wisdom? Where did you get this discernment? Where did you get your knowledge of the Word of God? Here. And that's not for bragging rights. 
But that, that's our goal. That they're a productive member, will be a productive member in another church. So what's God telling you about putting off and putting on today? Living a life worthy of the gospel is listening to God speak and responding. Let's pray together. Would you stand? Father, we are should be humble before you that you in all your glory, you in all your majesty, giving us all of these things, working in us to work out into the world, being our Father and not leaving us alone, disciplining us to get us to look more like your Son, Jesus. Lord, I pray in this solemn time right now that you would draw us in close. And Lord, whatever you've been working on in our hearts, right today would be the day of decision for those who need to put something off. Just plumb, put it off. But then also, Lord, we trust and when you work in our hearts to do that, you're also going to put something in for us to put on to bring glory to you in our world. So I pray you'll do your work. May your Holy Spirit continue to teach us. And I ask it in Jesus' name.